The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey there, Colin. What is going on? Not much. I have got a question for you, apropos of nothing. Yep. Do you like to gamble? Well, I like to gamble. Um, well, of course I like to gamble. I'm a red-blooded American man. Yeah, me too. Gambling's the best. Sure is. But, you know, if you're like me, Colin, sometimes you just don't know who to bet with or where to bet. It's hard to trust people, friend. It's a very skeptical world we're living in. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you something right off, right from the heart, certainly not reading it at all. It's something I mean. Sure. MyBookie.com. It's the answer you've been looking for. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people, since this very moment, to bet with my bookie. Trust me, they are the best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. And they're our new sponsor. Yeah, what makes them arguably the greatest business on earth. That's right. I recommend this service to our listeners, and it's, I'm urging you to go to mybookie.com. You win, they pay. Hey there, Colin. You ready for some football? I really, really am. We're going to have our first road game this week, and man, Purdue, with the memories haunt us from last year. Yes, yes. I think that game haunts us more than like losing to Indiana a few years back and things, even like certain like middle Tennessee, which we shouldn't have lost to. As a, but something about Purdue beating us so handily at home yeah. just sticks in the craw. Yeah, I mean, the Indiana game was kind of an anomaly, and we could have and should have won that game. We didn't even show up to the Purdue game, and it was, you know, we had that yep. long losing streak. It was just demoralizing, just yes, demoralizing. Here we are facing them again and now on their home turf. But I don't know about you, Colin, but I feel a little more confident. We look good, and Purdue looks terrible. They're 0-2. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Their, their, their season was pretty well shitty after they manhandled the zoo last year. Yeah, and uh, they have started out of the gates uh, like hot garbage. Hot garbage uh, this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I even heard a couple of the uh, press box super friends. Meanwhile, back with the press box super friends, debating whether or not it would be a blowout in, yeah. in Mizzou's favor. I'm like, who's worried about a blowout at this point? This is the team that absolutely throttled us last year. Yeah. And I'm not saying we can't blow them out, but it's certainly not something I'm worried about doing. Right. You know, uh, Why would anyone ever worry about blowing it team Yeah, I, I, well, I think you mentioned to me the spread seven points right. in Mizzou's favor, and that sounds a lot closer to right than blowout. Yeah. I mean, this is still a power five school with some decent talent on offense, and, a, and a, I think people still think the coach is okay. Um, and it's a home that, game. That, that opinion can be changing. Certainly, you don't want to sleep on these guys. No, I, I agree, and I think that's not likely to happen given what happened last year. I'm sure the coaching staff is reminding them every five minutes about how humiliated they were by the same squad last yeah. year. Yeah, and, remember uh, they pushed you to the ground and put themselves inside you against your will? Remember that, guys? <laughs> So let's let's not let that happen again. And then the interesting thing is that uh, say say we did blow them out, a la press box super friends talk. We're mm-hmm. facing the Georgias and the Alabamas and South Carolinas of the world next. I mean, expectations yeah. could be crazy. The weird thing to me, looking past the Purdue game, and I know that's not something we should do. We just got the eleven o'clock start time for the Georgia game. Yeah, yeah. That seems asinine to me. I mean, I know they hate. And Brandon, I don't know this, and maybe it, you do. Can that be changed? I'm wondering if they do blow out Purdue and, and the matchups that for that week start to uh, don't look as good. Maybe is there a way that ESPN or whomever can can change that start time? Or is that it's locked in? It's eleven o'clock. I think it's going to be locked in. I mean, honestly, Colin, say we blow up Purdue, all that happens is an unranked Missouri becomes a slightly less unranked Missouri. I don't think the TV stations yeah. really care that much. No, you're probably right. So I just I'm surprised that, that Georgia part didn't. Part of the get reason it. I say that though is it's not just that Mizzou would be undefeated. It's that you know South Carolina has already got a loss. Florida's already got a loss. You know I don't know who else theoretically they think is going to compete for the Tennessee's East, got but, a loss as well against you know, West Virginia. Yeah. So I I mean it really if if it comes to that theoretically I mean you you've got the last two dogs to die in the East so to speak. Right. In that game. So it's not just that Mizzou is undefeated. It's that everybody else has already got their loss. 
Well, you're, so you're Mizzou, leaving out Vanderbilt, you know, of in course. And in, in Mizzou, some way, you know, manages to win that football game. They're undefeated in the East, you know, and, and yeah. nobody else is, can, can claim that, probably. We'll see what happens with the Kentuckys and things in the world. But Well, uh, as we do every week, Colin, I've got a couple of guests to bring in. First, we brought in Michael Bratton, who is a writer for Saturday Down South. And you might remember this gentleman, Colin. He was the fella who chose... Wyoming over Missouri when he did his week two predictions. So he was brave enough to come onto the show and explain his prediction and talk about Missouri and uh, his hatred for Derek Dooley, really. Well, I was going to say, the, uh, he's a Tennessee fan, so there's really no other explanation needed, is there? <laughs> no, Tennessee fans are all delusional, so why wouldn't he be? <laughs> That's right. They all hate Missouri and are delusional about the success and, uh, and prospects of their program. That is just their, that's their natural state. Yep. And uh, also, to talk about the Purdue game more specifically, uh, we had a chat with the guys at Boiled Sports, the Handsome Hour podcast. And what we were going to do was I was going to go on their show, and then they were going to come on ours. But then I realized, mm-hmm. hey, I've got a solution that's lazier. And I always opt for lazier. And uh, yeah. I just recorded my conversation with their show. So we're going to patch in my interview with the Boyle Sports Handsome Hour podcast to talk Mizzou versus Purdue. And, of course, we've got Caleb the Greek, as always. That does make you sound like a lazy prick. <laughs> well, no but, matter how lazy I am, I'm always doing more work than you for this show. That is absolutely true. Yeah. But, Brendan, we know about show horses and workhorses. And right. we know which one of us is which. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Colin, should we just get to it and uh, hear what the guys have to say? Let's do it. M-I-Z. V-O-U. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. Johnson, and he's gone. Touchdown, Missouri. You don't get no better than that, man. Lock deep near side. Jamon Moore. It's a foot race. 82 yards. Touchdown, Missouri. Boy, look at Crockett run. It's his fourth touchdown run of the day. This is the Mazzotcast. Joining us on the line now is Michael Wayne Bratton, who has a podcast of his own called That SEC Podcast, which you can listen to daily. He also writes for Saturday Down South. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I think our listeners should know the way we got in touch with Michael was that he last week predicted Wyoming to beat Missouri. Now, a lot of that, I will say, was um, was out of spite because we have Derek Dooley. And as a Tennessee fan, he still harbors resentment to Coach Dooley. He was pretty upfront about this not being a straight football statistical pick. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I still um, lay awake at night wondering um, what Derek Dooley did to my beloved Tennessee program. I think, you know, obviously Tennessee is a laughing stock. I don't think anyone can, can get around that fact. And I think a lot of it goes back to what Derek Dooley did during his time there. So laugh it up now, but uh, <laughs> I think you'll be saying the same pretty here pretty soon. There was a lot of trepidation with the Dooley hire because not only did he I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He have a, a bad run at Tennessee, but he's never been an offensive coordinator before, never called plays. And so it was a head scratcher of a, of a hire for Missouri. But to this point, against inferior competition, the offense looks good. Now, I'll let you have a chance to talk about your Wyoming pick. Did you actually think Missouri would lose to Wyoming? I mean, honestly, no. I kind of how that came about during the offseason, I can't remember who it was, but it was a popular college football Twitter handle. You know, they were just asking if an SEC school were to lose to a non-SEC program, which upset, so to speak, would happen first. And I kind of went with Wyoming over Missouri because, you know, not not simply for the fact of Derek Dooley, but I just kind of think that what Missouri did late in the season, I think there was a lot of smoke and mirrors behind that. I thought, uh, you know, Missouri was, was getting a little too much hype. And I really like that coach from Wyoming, obviously the former North Dakota state coach. So had a lot of faith in him. Um, and then uh, obviously Washington State kind of put a whipping on him. And I almost walked back that pick, but you know, I'm a man of my word. So I put it out there months ago and I figured I got to stick with it. And uh, that's kind of why I went with that. I feel like Missouri is a popular choice when it comes to those sorts yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. Obviously the game they had against say Tennessee last year, they put a pretty good thump on Tennessee, but how much is that worth? Same with Florida. I think what we were kind of scratching our heads about was Florida's ranking this year when they got into the top 25 before the Kentucky game. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems strange that by nature of a coaching hire, I mean, even the best programs, when they've had down years, they can't turn it around in two games or one year. And uh, here, Florida had one decent game against a mediocre opponent, and all of a sudden, Florida's in the top 25. And that, I think that was quickly squashed when Kentucky broke their 31-year streak of losing to Florida. Out here in Missouri, in the hinterlands, in the north of SEC country, we kind of feel like name recognition, there's too much thumb on the scale for name recognition with these programs sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you know, you're 100% on there because, you know, like I was last week, certainly I didn't pick Kentucky to beat Florida, but when the spread came out, I believe it was originally at 13 and a half. That, I mean, that's a joke because I yeah. knew Kentucky was a better team than that. And I knew Florida was, like you said, they had no, no reason to be ranked coming off a, I believe it was a four and seven season. Of course, they hired Dan Mullen, but, you know, just hiring a coach, that's not good enough to just turn around a program. Instantly. Uh, I think people, people have kind of forgotten that these are Jim McElwain's players at Florida. They're not Will Muschamp's guys anymore. So, uh, Florida definitely didn't deserve that. And I think if you want to jump over to the West real quick, you could say the same thing with LSU and Mississippi State. I think LSU is not as good as Mississippi State, but they're ahead of them in, in both polls because like you said, n- name recognition. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, that should be resolved quickly when they play Auburn. We will quickly see if LSU is living up to the hype or not just on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, after two weeks, I think your fans will li- appreciate this. You know, I'm trying to suck up to you guys after picking Wyoming there. But <laughs> after South Carolina went down, after Florida went down, I think uh, there's probably no better team than Missouri to to kind of, you know, I don't, I still don't think they'll challenge Georgia, but maybe that second spot, looking at the schedule, of course they do have to go, you know, they get, they host Kentucky, so that, that looks like a more interesting game, but uh, Missouri could be in a prime position here to kind of rise up the SEC charts, that's for sure. So what is, I mean, I don't know if you watched the Wyoming Missouri game, but you certainly saw the score and the results. What is your take on Missouri mm-hmm. at this point when they, we've played two games, the uh, offense has looked good with Drew Locke at the helm and the defense has been better, certainly better than last year when they had a five game losing streak. Uh, I mean, you told us that you thought uh, Missouri could make a play for the, at least the top half of the East. What are your expectations at least like say next week against a fumbling and bumbling Purdue team? Yeah, I think that game will tell us a lot more than anything just because, you know, I don't have any respect for Tennessee Martin and Missouri, you know, they steamroll them like they should. And Wyoming, mm-hmm. I thought would put up a good fight and they, they did for about a quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I th- Missouri's defense, you noted, I think that's been the most impressive thing to date. But, you know, like you said, we we still don't know a ton based on this competition, but that didn't stop Missouri's defense from kind of getting exposed early last season. So they turned that around. I think that's obviously a good mark. Drew Luck, I mean, obviously, I think he's the best deep ball thrower in the SEC. He's still looking the part. Emmanuel Hall, really impressed with him. 
Um, I, I'm not even going to try to say the tight end's name because no, we none uh, of us do. You know, it's Alberto. That's all you need to say. We all say Alberto. Well, there you go. I mean, he's he's an awesome player. So yeah, I I have been impressed. I I was very curious to see what the offense would look like. Obviously, with Derek Dooley and losing Josh Heupel, I thought they would take a big step back there. But um, so far, so good. But like you said, I'm be obviously interested to see what they do against Purdue. Purdue's not won a game yet. They should beat Purdue. And, of course, the real test will come next, the following week when they play Georgia. Right, and and we saw what South Carolina did to, or didn't do to Georgia. And so, you know, South Carolina, by a lot of folks were saying, you know, would be the, the one team that could give Georgia a contest, and that is not the case. So it is open for any team in the East to sort of at least take that number two spot. And God forbid that they take out Georgia, that throws the entire uh, conference into disarray. Yeah, absolutely. But just the thing with Georgia that just no one can match up with outside of Alabama is just the line of scrimmage. And we saw that against South Carolina. Once Georgia's line just started wearing them down, I mean, it was no contest. It was a joke. They were just, it was just mauling people. And I know Missouri's got Becker and and what have you, but I mean, Georgia's got about 10 of those guys. So it's just going to be hard for anyone to beat them in the SEC until the, you know, SEC championship game where I I think it's inevitable they're going to face Alabama. Yeah, I don't think there's even any Missouri fans that are going to put any money on that game for sure. I was going to switch gears a little bit for you. We were, you know, as a Tennessee fan, no team has, has enjoyed feasting on the downtimes of the volunteers more than Missouri. They've had some really uh, big wins against Tennessee. And, uh, you know, it hasn't just been Derek Dooley. I mean, Butch Jones had a pretty disastrous run at head coach. How long does a team stay down and what is it going to take to turn them around? Do you think? Pruitt has what it takes. How long, how, how long before you can be proud of your volunteers again? Yeah, that's that's the million-dollar question in Knoxville right now, and I think Jeremy Pruitt certainly has the pedigree. I think it starts with recruiting, and he's an elite recruiter. I think their recruiting class is currently, I think it's ranked number 11 in the nation. So that's I think that's pretty impressive, considering they're coming off the worst season in Tennessee history. So he's got that going. But you know uh, the – uh, Sorry to interrupt, but, um, you know, the Butch Jones era, we heard every year before the season about what great recruits Butch Jones was bringing into Knoxville, mm-hmm. and then nothing ever seemed to come of it. Granted, you want to have a top 10, top 11 recruiting class, but it seems like there is a big gulf between having good players come to campus and turning it into a winning program, at least in, in the Butch Jones era. Well, yeah, I mean, you could say nothing came of it, but they did win back-to-back nine win. They had back-to-back nine win seasons. They beat Georgia and Florida in one of those seasons. So it was the players kind of propelled them to that. They they did have some outstanding players like Alvin Kamara and Derek Barnett, Josh Dobbs, obviously leading the way. But I think just just the hope is that you know outside of recruiting, Jeremy Pruitt, everywhere he's gone, has either won a national championship or contended for one. But I think the real question with him, something that that uh, no one has the answer for, is. How does he handle adversity? How does he handle losing? Because, like I said, he's been he's been at Alabama. You know, mm-hmm. they don't lose. He went to Florida State. They went undefeated, won the national championship. He went to Georgia, and there was some adversity. And a lot of people say that's kind of why Mark Ricks got out the door. Mm-hmm. And then he went to yeah. Alabama and and won again. So the only time he's really faced adversity, it it really went sideways on him and the program he was at. So. I obviously don't think Tennessee is going to do anything this year. I have questions whether they're going to do anything next year. If that's the case, how does he handle that? Does it, does he blow up? How does, I don't know. That's, that's the big question, but I, I've got a ton of faith in, in what he's doing as far as recruiting. And as a, as a coach on the field, he seems to know what he's doing, but mm-hmm. I don't, I think coaching is really overrated in college football. I think it comes down to players. So you got to get the right players in there and, and it looks like he'll do that. And I think if he can't coach it properly, then they'll get someone that will. But we've been saying that for about four coaches now. Yeah. That's, I, you know, I hear what you're saying about coaches versus players and who, who makes the difference. But you talked about like Florida and having McElwain's players, but, uh, in the must champ era, he didn't do so well either there. He didn't, he didn't leave in a parade. They booted him out, you know, and, and it, it is amazing when you see a, a coach come in and turn a program around right away without three years of good recruiting. It seems like there's some secret magic element you put in the soup to make it work. But God forbid, if I knew what it was, I'd be making a lot more money than I am now. I am right there with you. You've already said you think Missouri will uh, will be Purdue. I think everybody here is uh, glad to hear that after last week's pick. Georgia, probably going to win. I think everybody's safe saying that, especially after the South Carolina game. 
do you have an, sort of an updated top-to-bottom finish for the SEC East in your mind, how that plays out otherwise with the – I mean, it is Georgia and everybody else, but the everybody else matters here in Missouri. Yeah, I think clearly at this point you could put Tennessee at the bottom of that list. Below um, Vanderbilt. You could put Florida, Florida near the bottom of the list. You know, I've actually been really impressed with Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Vanderbilt would beat Missouri, but I think they could give them a game if that defense plays well. So I would certainly favor Missouri over all those teams. And then when you talk about Kentucky and South Carolina, that game's at South Carolina. So that's kind of mm-hmm. a toss-up. I think those are those are obviously the make-or-break games for Missouri this year. And th- thankfully for Missouri, they're the opposite opponent there on an annual basis. Arkansas, I think that's the worst team in the SEC. So I think that, that clearly helps Missouri you know, in their final SEC standings. Should we uh, remain on our feet and healthy and not have broken limbs after we do face Alabama and Tuscaloosa later this year. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's the worry of every team in there. I think, you know, at, at some point, I think we're going to see someone sit out all their star players and act just treat that as a bye week. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's probably true. It's like Barry Bonds days whenever they'd intentionally walk in with the bases loaded. Exactly. You know you're going to lose. You might as well uh, rest all your players for the home stretch. <laughs> well, Michael Bratton, thank you for joining us again. You can listen to him on That SEC Podcast. It comes out daily. He also writes for Saturday Down South. So thank you again for joining us, and thanks for being a little bit more positive than in week two. Yeah, thanks for having me and uh, not going too hard on me. I appreciate it. And as we do every week, we've got Caleb Bungard on the line for his weekly segment of Caleb the Great Pick of the Week. Caleb, what do you got for us this week? Oh, I've got a couple for you. Coming back from a two and two weekend last weekend. Yeah, you went went five hundred and got strep throat. Weak immune system. Yeah, it was fucking terrible. It was a terrible weekend. <laughs> no money made. I got sick, but I think I'm getting better now. So trying to do some better picks this week. All right. First on the board on the early games, I've got Oklahoma giving that 17 points to Iowa State. I think Oklahoma covers that, even though the running back is out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like Georgia. They got three more of them sitting there, so it'll be fine. <laughs> All right, you like those big, long blowout minus seventeen type games? I do on those Big Twelve games. It seems like they give you just enough reason to bet those games on the Oklahoma State and stuff. They don't win by seventeen points. They either win by fifty or they lose. Right, so. <laughs> right. shit conference. Okay, right. well, well, uh, you've got Oklahoma. I'm going to take our 2005 Kansas quarter, who you go up against every week. Coins turn. And I will say it was two and one last week, so not to rub it in, but. Okay. Losing a step. Yeah. So the quarter will have heads be OU, Iowa State will be tails. The quarter thinks Iowa State likes the points. It does. It does like those points. Who else you got? Yeah. Now the next game, I'm going to bet close to home. They've got uh, Mizzou as a seven point favorite over Purdue. I think after watching Purdue last weekend, Mizzou should should handle them by more than seven. All right, again, you're going to give up the points and uh, take Missouri to win by more than a touchdown. The coin thinks Missouri heads, Purdue tails. The coin likes Purdue. Let's just go opposite. This would be great. Yeah. Get a big lead. (laughs) All right. What's next? All right. We have a couple of stuff on you here. I've got USC and Texas going. USC is a a three-and-a-half-point underdog. So I'm going to go with USC in this one. All right. I think they they pulled the upset this time. Upset special. And then that coin, what's it got for me on that one? Well, we're going to have Texas be heads, USC be tails, the coin picks USC as well. So. 
very, very, very fondly. Mm-hmm. All right, well, next game I've got for you is another upset special. Upset twofer. I'll do two of them this week. All right. I've got T- TCU and Ohio State. TCU is a 13-point underdog, and they're playing at TCU. I believe they will cover that. I think TCU will cover the 13 points and they need some money. <laughs> All righty, so uh, you don't have a lot of faith in Urban Meyer and his uh, abuse enabler squad. Urban knew all about it and kept his mouth shut. No, he'll be eating pizza somewhere. He's got that game. It won't matter. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Okay, we're going to have the coin pick Ohio State as heads, TCU as tails. The coin likes Ohio State. We may be right, but you're probably wrong. <laughs> we got a lot of a lot of disagreement between you and the coin this week. Can we all just get along? Yeah, and then I'll give you a late night special here. Last game on the docket for Saturday night, it was the Herm Edwards Arizona State boys going up against San Diego State University. A letter Arizona. School. Yeah, letter school against word school. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna go uh, word school. They're gonna they're gonna take care of that four and a half points. I think they won by two touchdowns in this. So Arizona State. All right, you got the favorite again on this one. Coin is going to take Arizona State as heads. San Diego State as tails. And it likes Arizona State as well. You two. Smart pick. Yeah, <laughs> you agree twice and disagree three times. Be interesting to see who comes out ahead. Who's it gonna be? All right, Caleb. Is that everything? I think that's all we've got this week. All right. How you feeling, by the way? I feel much better. I'm, I'm doing good. Drink plenty of fluids, Caleb. I'll, I'll be able to make it out in the back Saturday night to take care of this podcast. We're uh, far more concerned with whether you're contagious rather than if you're actually feeling better. I'm not. I don't think I'm contagious. I went and checked that out uh, today again. He told me everything in my throat was gone. So now it's down to, down, down to just getting it out of my system. All right. All right. Well, stay away from Brian Goers. <laughs> I'll sure try to do that. It's hard, though. Super hard. <laughs> this has been Caleb the Green Pick of the Week. Finally lives up to its name. Actually, no, Brennan. I say that to every guest. I say that they make. He does. Mm-hmm. This is so, a thing. This is this is Jay. I'm joined by Anish, and joining us from the Mazadcast is the host of the Mazadcast, Brendan Anthony. And I would say the Mazadcast is uh, what top. 15 Missouri football podcasts in the state of Missouri? Well, I'd say it used to be, but I mean, you know, the podcast format is getting very popular, so I think we're probably maybe just in the top 50, maybe top 100. Nobody knows how the algorithm works anyway, so don't worry about it. It's probably, you guys are probably 48 or something like that. I appreciate that optimism, yeah. Classes up our joint a little bit. So if you guys listening to this, you can find them on on the Twitter machine at Mizodcast. Hopefully you can all remember that. Yeah, um, you ought to spell it because most people don't know how to pronounce or spell our uh, show because we know the key to having a really popular show is to have a, a, a name that's really confusing and difficult to spell. <laughs> so it's that in, is the key. Well, M-I-Z-Z-O-D-C-A-S. Something I've always wondered about. Why is Missouri abbreviated with a word that's only two letters shorter than the word Missouri? Well, is that? I mean, technically it's an abbreviation, but I don't it's a, it's a great question and you couldn't ask a better person because I actually wrote a book a couple of years ago, The Complete History of Mizzou Sports. It's a coffee table book. <laughs> this is a truth. Apparently Missouri, University of Missouri used to also kind of be known as Missouri State University before there was a Missouri State University and uh, shortened MSU and I guess spelled out Mizzou as the, uh, <laughs> that's where it supposedly came from. Where the Z's came from, I do not know, but they are cooler than S's. I do. The think Z's are cooler. cooler. 
Yeah, yeah, I do write. I do like write everything. I've, everything I've written in this year and last year about Missouri. I've always used the two Z's. I agree. Well, um, I think it so. works for Missouri because people wouldn't remember that Missouri exists as a state or a university. But Mizzou is unique enough that they at least know there is a team here. You joined the SEC a few years ago, and I just want to share one of my favorite things about Missouri. So, so the SEC expands or or, or brings in Missouri and A and M. And my favorite part of SEC fans, and I'm curious if you guys have kind of gone over to the dark side or if you still sort of feel like outsiders, kind of like living in a new place. Because one of my favorite things was, oh, SEC, you know, this isn't the Big 12. This isn't, you know, you guys going to, it's going to be different. And then right away, A&M's beating Alabama mm-hmm. and Mizzou is in the title game. What, two of your first three years or something like right, that? Right, right. That's right. Right? Like, she so came in. I hope you guys really leaned into that and were like, man, this is, it's pretty easy. <laughs> we well, um, how Missouri fans feel about being in the SEC and their role in the SEC. I think the best way to define it. Are you familiar with Stockholm syndrome? Yes. Okay. So we've kind we're of Purdue fans. No, actually, <laughs> yeah. what's the um... <laughs> we've called? We've kind of fallen in love with our captors. Ah. They've been mean to us, you know. And I think by that is they they said Texas A and M, welcome aboard, Missouri. Why are we having some Yankee state near the Canadian border in our conference? And so when well, we put them in the east, right? When we <laughs> right, and when we did beat you know, go to the title game two years in a row. That was sweet. And it was, there was nothing better than just soaking up the sour grapes of listening to the old time SEC folks who didn't say why, how bad the East was down. And we've decided that the definition of this SEC East being down is when Missouri's playing well in it. That's how you know it's down. So we were very glad to, to stick it to them there. But that being said, there's some, been some SEC, SEC chants in Faroe Field. And oh. like I said, they want to be loved so badly. And I say they, but I am included in that <laughs> as much as anybody. So well, I want to be you're honest. You're trying to be an impartial host, I realize, right. at this point. So the, the royal we is, sounds a little fanboyish. I get yeah. it. We are kind of fascinated by uh, Coach Odom because mm-hmm. we had a coach, Danny Hope, that was – Coach Odom reminds me a lot of Danny Hope. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for example, this week – Can he slam uh, beers? Well, he said he said the, the, the tape of – Rondell Moore mm-hmm. that he watched looked like it was in fast forward. So my question is, is it possible that Barry Odom was really watching it in fast forward? <laughs> well, yes, that's the short answer. And now it's not disparaging to coach Odom. It's just that he is a football coach. And the more I come to know football coaches, their ability to uh, hit play versus fast forward, <laughs> I, I would call into question. So yes, it is quite possible. I think Danny Hope has watched everything at quarter speed. I think that mm-hmm. Danny Hope lives his life at quarter speed. <laughs> I have a semi-real question then about Coach Odom because you guys started the season rather poorly last year. Not you guys because you're not part of it. You're yeah, thanks for host, reminding me, yes. What's no, no, no small part thanks to your team. But then, Pretty often that has that effect on, yeah. Yeah. on people's yeah. seasons. <laughs> um, including their own, mainly their own. Yep. But then they had an impressive recovery, right, and wind up with seven, seven wins, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm curious, maybe this is a little too deep for our idiotic podcast, but would the long-term health of Missouri football be better if they'd continued the tailspin of a year and Odom had been gone? Because everyone felt like halfway through the season he was a goner. That's what I thought. Well, I, I see. I know what you're getting at, and I think – Right now, I think most Missouri fans would not go there. They are pretty satisfied with the direction of the program. The, I think what part of that is, is that Odom, not only was he new to coaching Missouri, he was, he was a new head coach. He had never done this before. This is entering his third season and he, he went to school at Missouri. He was a longtime assistant coach to Gary Pinkle. People like Barry Odom and we're just not a, a place like Georgia or, you know, Auburn or someplace that will, pull the trigger and fire guy after two seasons. Missouri gives their coaches time. And specifically, they got a new athletic director, Jim Sturt. He is a patient hirer and firer. People believe that this, you know, the six game winning streak or five game winning streak, I can't remember, was real. And it wasn't a product of, of just getting bad teams to play against. It's that Odom has started to figure it out. And entering this season, I think a lot of people are reassured because of the strong start, even though it's been against inferior competition. But, Missouri's 2 and 0 and has looked very convincing. There's very I mean people have picked up little things like the amount of pass rush we were giving or how the running game hasn't just as explosive as we'd like it to be. But all in all, this is the first time in the 3 years Barry Odom's been with the team that coming out of the gate, they look prepared, well coached and talented. So I think 
people are kind of expecting bigger things this year rather than kind of wishing Barry Odom was an experiment that had failed a year ago. I think Drew Locke probably helps that offense look prepared and strong. We have no answer for a non-Drew Locke team. <laughs> and, um, yes, you know, I've been talking about that uh, just recently. We don't know who next year will bring. However, Locke has a lot of assets around him that a lot of people don't realize. Uh, they haven't done much yet, but Demaria Crockett, and Larry Roundtree the third are a pair of giant running backs, and if they do get going, the the ground game at Missouri is really going to start surprising people, and it could p- be very pivotal in SEC play. And also, you know, Drew Locke's got some really nice receivers and tight ends to throw to, and Drew Locke's a, a big star. But if we get got somebody with half an arm, these guys will bring down catches. So mm-hmm. that may just be a fanboy, but because no doubt there'll be a drop off after Drew Locke is gone. But they do have a lot of pieces in place on offense. Yeah, it's hard not to drop off. I mean, I, I get that. You alluded to the Purdue kind of unexpected shellacking last year. Yeah, uh, at Missouri. And what's weird about that is that Jeff Brom at Purdue has like you know a, a deserved reputation for creative offenses and, you know, trick plays and really kind of confusing other teams. And that's why they often have an edge. But against Missouri, I don't, I mean, I don't know how much you wiped that game from your memory, but I remember us talking about how what was really weird about that to us was the Purdue didn't do anything that special. Mm-hmm. Like they just came in, what they did was working and they kind of just kept doing it. And then in the second half, they didn't do much of anything because Missouri wasn't, Missouri didn't look like they wanted to be on the field that day. In all yeah. seriousness, they looked like a disinterested team. So I guess my question related to that was was that one of the worst kind of gut punching like unexpected losses of recent years for you guys? Or because we don't watch all Missouri games, so I don't know mm-hmm. how that felt. Yeah, so it, it was it did feel shitty. Yeah, and uh, I think that it was in it was a you know there was a spiral for this program, and that was definitely the low point of the season. You know that that was one of the worst losses I'd ever seen. That you know the most pathetic performances. I've ever seen. I think uh, Missouri got beat by Indiana at home a few years for, before that, and that was during a good season. We actually won the East that year. But oh, I remember that. That's become that's right because in the Big Ten, we tossed around everyone in the Big Ten tossed around that Indiana was the SEC East champs. That's right, right. And uh, it, it, we caught a lot of shit from our SEC brethren. That was a real kind of humiliating loss. I think this loss against Purdue wasn't, we didn't feel humiliated so much as we just felt downtrodden and depressed that it had sunk so low. But things changed and you all haven't seen us in a year and we may, may not be better on the field. Who knows? But the fee, the attitude is much different than it was a year ago. And the, the, the team just didn't seem like they were capable of doing anything. And they, all the pieces that we've been promised would be good have started to be good, you know, and all the, the movement that was promised is starting to move. And so not just the two wins against crappy teams we've had this year, but we had a good, I mean, we got to a damn bowl game. Mm-hmm. No one thought we would. And so, um, and, and we're looking forward to whipping Tennessee and Florida again this year. Oh, we're looking forward to that too. I, I, I don't know what the coaching staff in Missouri is like right now, but I would imagine they're reminding the guys of last year of 35 to 3. Uh, yeah, media day was yesterday and that was obviously a big question. Is this a revenge game? And the team was really getting sick of, they're saying, I'm sick of hearing about this game they were. Of course, they have nobody to blame but themselves. And, uh, but yeah, it is, it, I mean, that's the number one coaching tactic, I think, for Barry Odom coming in there is like, remember what they did to you last year. And, right. <laughs> and so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a little worrisome because Purdue started 0 and 2. You mentioned, you mentioned how good Missouri's looked and I know they beat inferior competition. And of course, Anish and I were thinking, well, Purdue played inferior competition. I'd love to have beat inferior competition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, like that, it, it really does look like Missouri is where we expected them to be last year yeah. during the matchup. And Purdue now is kind of what everybody was expecting last year. You know, we, we were a year, removed we're kind of in the di- we're switching spots it's uh, yeah it's uh, we're bracing we're bracing for it because it's like the missouri is by far the most talented team that that purdue is going to play um purdue's played this year i do think that missouri is a more talented team than northwestern and the loss to the drubbing to duke kind of um yeah. underscores that <laughs> yeah it, it could be a it could be a we don't the home team doesn't want to be there um type game and that's one that we're kind of we're shaky about it is interesting because last year you all made me look like a fool talking optimistically about my football team who then went on to just get pounded um and and i think you all were in a a much better place if i recall 
Last year was so good. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it didn't look right. We were watching that and just, we just couldn't. And it was on the SEC network and they kept flashing that graphic in the lower right, which I've never seen used. It just kept saying Purdue lost 40 of last 50 games. The answer, <laughs> mm-hmm. we, so they the, listed in in increments of fifty games. In the <laughs> right, like keep in baseball stat. Keep in mind, we were in the Big Twelve with Kansas, so those are the kind of statistics that we were accustomed to. <laughs> kind of familiar with those. Yeah. Uh, one of my other things on here. So one, do you miss the Big Twelve at all as a fan? Um, th- at first, there was a part of me that you know it felt like it was a historic value to. You know, playing these, and we, we started in the big six before it was right. in the big eight, big 10, or big 12. And, um, there was some little, I guess, sentimentality to it. But, you know, this is entering, I think, our seventh year. And, um, no, I don't at all, especially with the shit show that the big 12 has become. I mean, they don't know how many teams are in the conference, much no. like the big, much like the big 10 is on, you know, but, Anyway, no, we don't. I think there was a lot of bad blood in that entire process with, uh, with Texas specifically and, um, and Kansas, of course. So we don't, we're happy to not be a part of it. And we took a lot of pride and joy in when the Big Ten, Big 12, I'm sorry, gets uh, left out of the playoff. We like that. That's oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I like no, how they manufactured a title game for their 10 teams. Yes. Yeah. No, we, we I mean, we're, no one says we need a title game. Oh, that didn't help. Did it? Yeah. No. But we're happy to be in the SEC, as weird as that may sound. I think we just like we're in a premier conference uh, mm-hmm. that the Big 12 has sunk down a little bit from, although the Pac-12 seems like the real dog right now. Do you guys played Kansas forever. Right. And that was a legit, that was one of the biggest and one of the most played. If you look up like the mm-hmm. most played football rivalries, they were near the top. Yeah. Or still are. There's There's some sort of weird pissing contest, right, about why they won't schedule each other. Isn't there like because there should shouldn't they just do like Iowa Iowa State does and play an early season rivalry game? Yes, absolutely. Missouri fans are desperate. To, they we would love to have the rivalry back. Oh, I bet you would right now. Well, we've been wanting it ever since it stopped. But Bill Self is the sole reason. Bill Self is upset about it, and as long as he is the Kansas head coach, I don't think now the the, the ice has thawed a little bit. They've been playing a couple of preseason games that you know in the basketball season. And, mm-hmm. um, but they, of course, not for, uh, but Bill know. Self is affecting the football schedule. He, he, Bill Self runs that university. I mean, he is, <laughs> there, there's an athletic director in name, but if he doesn't want them to play Missouri, they won't. Of course, Kansas has no real desire to play Missouri right now anyway. They got basketball, we got football, and we don't want to get beat by each other. So it's kind of a stalemate, but we would like to play, especially in football, because it would just be a slaughter. They've been ab- abysmal since the, we've been gone. I mean, Maybe they needed us. I don't know. No, it's it's stupid because those rivalry dates back to before the Civil War. I mean, you know, when we Missourians burned down Lawrence, Kansas, we take a lot of pride in that. And uh, even though if it may have been for the wrong reasons, if you catch my meaning, um, <laughs> did it? The question is, did it improve Lawrence, Kansas, when they burned it down? Well, I would have liked to think so. I mean, it, you know, it's left to smolder and rubble and corpses, and I think a lot of uh, Kansas residents now, that's an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> a couple quick questions from our Twitter followers. Jason, Jason D., asks, is Missouri exactly like the show Ozark or just mostly like the show Ozark? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you've seen the movie Winter's Bone, uh, I think you combine that with Ozark, and you get a pretty clear picture of of certain areas of the state. You know, there, there is a lot of hubbub. People around the Lake of the Ozarks do not like that show for some reason. They they don't like to be depicted as rednecks in the deep woods when they're really a place full of like parking lots and Home Depots and crappy fishing trailers everywhere. So it's not accurate. It's it's a different kind of dump. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I grew up. Uh, in New Jersey, when the Sopranos came out, like mm-hmm. a lot of New Jersey people were, you know, very prideful that <clears throat> they were, they, cause they were shooting it in New Jersey and mm-hmm. that was one fun thing is you'd see things that you're like, oh, that's literally in my neighborhood or near my neighborhood. But it also made people think that everybody from New Jersey was somehow mob connected. And oh, I just thought they were all fat. They are. Okay. They are, yeah. but that's pretty funny coming from Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get one in. I don't know. <laughs> Duncan Brooks, Badunka Crunk. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he says, and, and this is amazing because I didn't realize this was a thing, but I Googled it and apparently it is. Do you guys actually care? I think I know the answer to this. Do you guys actually care about having a rivalry 
with the University of Illinois. As I, I looked it up, what is it, the arch rivalry? Yeah, it's it's only for basketball. And is it? Yeah, yeah. And we've you been played in eight years. Basketball? No, no. This no, there's a football rivalry. See, yeah. that's how unimportant it is for to you. You don't even know it exists. No, I knew we we played Illinois for five straight seasons. We had a, a contract or something, and we went five and zero, oh, and Illinois stopped it. And then there's been talk of it coming back. But people do in Missouri do very much care about a basketball rivalry. We play Illinois every year in St. Louis, and uh, they've mm-hmm. gotten the better of us. But it's been a lot of fun games in that rivalry. And since we had a little resurgence in basketball last year, we were talking a lot of shit to Illinois fans. But football, we could. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say we don't care. It has been a very nice, easy Big Ten win. Sure. So I'd be happy to resume that anytime. <laughs> We have Bramlin who says, and I'm curious to your answer to this, can we have Conzo Martin back? Mm. <laughs> At least after one season, we're not particularly keen on getting rid of him. There was some talk about, you know, didn't utilize the talent he had in his first season. Um, that doesn't sound like Zoe at all. <laughs> <laughs> but... uh Recruiter, man. But he had a crazy year to contend with, with the hype around Michael Porter Jr., the injury towards Michael Porter Jr., the rumors of the re- return of Michael Porter Jr. It completely was a shadow over this team, and that had to be tough to coach through. Ask us again in a year or two. We might be saying yes, please. Who knows? Hope not, but yeah. And I personally have one more. Anish, I don't know if you want to add anything, but I want you to say something nice about Kansas. Um, something nice about Kansas. We'll uh, dub into Jeopardy music underneath this. When oh, passing yeah. through Kansas, it is good on your gas mileage due to the flat, featureless hellscape surface. That's very nice. See, mm-hmm. that is that good. wasn't that wasn't so That's hard. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Sure, I pulled that we from Pete. <laughs> and uh, do you Pope have Mobile. a prediction? Do you, we'll, we'll end on, we'll end on that boring okay. question. Do you okay. have a prediction? Well, yeah, I for mean. This game. Well, no, 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 just for, for just there in general. The tariffs will take their toll on our economy. Um, no, I think that, uh, I actually do think Missouri will win. I don't, I think I said that last year stupidly, so I. <laughs> yeah, I like I, where you're going. Yeah, right. But, I mean, the 0 and 2 start to Purdue is, gives me more confidence than anything I've seen on Furrow Field here in Columbia. <laughs> Purdue doesn't look like they've got a lot of fight this year. They just, and so, our defense is a lot stronger than the last time you saw us, and the offense has been clicking on most of its cylinders. You know, if, if Purdue's down and we're clicking, I think we win that matchup. So, I, but I, I do think that um, it'll be the toughest competitions Missouri's seen this year. You know, we've yet to play a Power 5 school. So I think this <laughs> Drew Locke's not going to put 50 up on on Purdue like he did against uh, Tennessee Martin. So I'd say somewhere in the range of like 34-24. Yeah, I think there's a chance it could be. I think if, if Purdue plays the way that we thought they were going to play this year and with less of the stupidity, because Purdue's had some just terrible decisions and some really stupid penalties, I think, you know, it's one of those where you're like, oh, if if this happens, even if those things do happen, Missouri does look like they're <clears throat> they've got it all back together. But if that happens, that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, because this could be like up and down the field. I think it'd be a shootout. Yeah, I mean, oh, like yeah. I think if if the Purdue that we thought would show up, you know, finally shows up, it's going to be. Um, I would take the over. I don't know what yeah. the over under is, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think if it's somewhere in the fifties, yeah, yeah, oh, it'll be higher than that. Yeah, it was in the fifties for Northwestern, and they blew by that. So I yeah. yeah. I'm worried. I think Missouri looks good. Missouri looks good. Oh, I did have another question, and and we could always cut this to make it sound better, but Brennan, will Drew Locke throw more NFL passes than Chase Daniel? The answer to that is yes, and the reason I say that is because Blaine Gabbard has thrown more passes than Chase Daniel, and Chase Daniel is a much better quarterback. And if he'd have gotten half the opportunities that Blaine Gabbard has gotten, then uh, he'd be, he'd have done pretty well. Um, although I will take his position of making millions of dollars holding a clipboard for he's a got decade. My dream job. He's got the best damn job. He's more than a, a decade in a fun city with Drew Brees, Purdue, uh-huh. and I mean Missouri behind Purdue. I mean that's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he's, but I'd heard recently, I, I, you know, we don't do any research for the show because that would, why would we do that? He he has made an insane amount of money for someone who's thrown literally like, what has he thrown? Like 30 career passes, something along those lines? $34 million. Yeah. In the in the NFL for so maybe a million so a million dollars a pass perhaps. First of all, 
I just want to say I'm shocked that you guys don't do preparation. From what I've heard, <laughs> it, it everything seems like a well-oiled machine. Oh, yeah. se- secondly, he's been holding that clipboard for over a decade. And Isn't I mean, that long? Got to be yeah. one of the best clipboard holders in the country. So he has right a Super Bowl now. ring. He does. He does. He he had with uh, that Drew Brees fellow you mentioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I think his job, but there's still a chance he could have to play and be in an NFL game. So the thing I've always felt in pro sports is one of the best jobs is a is a baseball middle reliever. That's right? good. Yeah. Because you really only pitch when it doesn't really matter, right? You're very unlikely to like be in the game to blow it in the playoffs, right? But you get to be on a major league team and ride along and sit and watch games all the time. Plus you, you gotta consider when you're when you sit in the bullpen all game long, that's a lot of freedom out there. I mean there's girls that sit in those bleachers and you can have whole conversations with them at times, you know. You know, when you're in the dugout, you don't have those opportunities. No. So true. so I I mean there's there's a lot of perks to that job. I'm glad we've covered mm-hmm. the important stuff. Brennan, uh, yep. we appreciate you joining us and spending time with us uh, on the Handsome Hour, which you have to admit that's a good name for a podcast, right there. Right? It, it I mean, is it's easy it, to spell. It's you know, people can can you know know how to find it. Yeah, but I I've got video feed of you guys, so well, there are ironic right. nicknames. But this is an audio yeah. podcast. We ain't include this video in there. Yeah, it sounds handsome. Yeah, that's okay. You, you sound very handsome. I'll give you that. Talk to a lot of people, and a lot of people have confidence in Missouri to win this game this week. Sounds that way. You know, I wish I shared their confidence. Yeah, I do. You know, not that I'm not, I don't think Missouri's going to win. I just, God, I have just, that last year's beating, it's just like a specter in my life. It just hangs over my head. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Scares me. Yeah. So scary. Yeah, it'll be, it, it, there'll be some catharsis if we do win this game. That game was just such a colossal punch in the dick. I just, I still haven't gotten over it. Clearly, clearly. Uh, speaking of getting over it, it sounds like Caleb is feeling better and is uh, going to be up on Saturday, and his strep throat is behind him. Yep, good. I don't want strep throat. No. I, mean, I really care less about Caleb's health, but uh, I certainly don't want to get strep throat. <laughs> yeah, same, same. Everybody needs to write down those picks from mybookie.com, obviously, and uh, make a little money. And I, I don't know. I'm excited about a road game. I can uh, sit on my couch, and unfortunately, it's on the Big Ten Network. Do you get the Big Ten Network, Colin? I know in the SEC package that I have, there's Big Ten package there next to it. I don't know if I get it or not. I pay for extra channels, but I'm not sure if the Big Ten Network is part of that. You actually bring up a great point. I might check that when I get home from work today. Yeah, this is a little public service announcement to our listeners. See if you get the fucking Big Ten Network. Why would you? But if you do, you can watch the game. And if you don't... And Brennan, just for our, our fans' sake, what time is kickoff? Kickoff is at 6.30. And, oh, I do want to say one thing for our listeners. This actually might be helpful for people. If you don't get the Big Ten Network, but if you have Hulu, Hulu, you can expand your service to Hulu Live, and the first week is free. So if you get Hulu Live, you'll get the Big Ten Network in time for you to watch the Missouri-Purdue game, and then you can just cancel that subscription and go back to your regular service. And uh, it'll that's, a come- great, that's a great tip. Yeah, something va- of value we're actually telling our listeners. But that's I the best way to do it. This is the first time I've ever heard anything on our show that like, I'm like, wow, that is valuable information. <laughs> yeah, so tell your friends. Go to Hulu, get the Big Ten Network on Hulu Live, and then cancel that shit then, so you don't have to give them any money. Yeah, cancel it immediately. All right, Colin, I'm done talking to you, so let's just uh, wait it out till Saturday and watch some goddamn Missouri football. All right, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. I want you to say something nice about Kansas. Something nice about Kansas. Um, 